0: Before we start the show, I'd like to take this time to acknowledge Gary Malloy, a great man and a coach who has left us too soon. Gary might be best known as a member of the coaching staff of the powerhouse Windsor Lancer team that turned out a ton of great runners and numerous championships, but as the tributes come pouring in, it's plain to see that there is more to Gary than just the fast times clocked. It was about supporting athletes and making sure that they always knew that they had someone they could rely on. My time knowing Gary was admittedly pretty short, but from what I saw across cross-country courses and Twilight Meets, his selflessness and empathy were second to none, and the impact he has left is deep and will likely remain for generations to come. Rest easy, Gary, and thank you for the encouragement and for all your contributions. This week on the Terminal Mile, like our guests each did a couple years ago, we're heading west. Julia Howley, hailing from St. John's, Newfoundland, now attending Simon Fraser University in British Columbia, has been ripping it up in the NCAA Division II, even holding the honor of having the fastest steeple time this season for a couple weeks. She's on the show this week to talk about where her goals lie and whether steeple fail videos are still funny to her. But first, Matt Travaglini, originally from London, Ontario, now making his home in Calgary, Alberta, is the two-time CCAA cross-country champion, a Canadian mountain running champion, and now a sub-30 10k roadrunner. You're listening to The Terminal Mile at The Terminal Mile on both Twitter and Instagram, a Tracky Radio production. A big, big weekend for you this past weekend, uh, running in Victoria, uh, going 29.55 at the Times Columbus, Garden City, 10K in Victoria. Is it Was this your first time, you know, on a legal course going, going sub 30 in a 10K?
1: It was. It was a big weekend for sure. Um, the fitness, I was confident that the fitness was there because the first time on a legal course, but two weeks before... At uh, the Sun Run, I ran twenty nine thirty five. So having having the the effort in the leg, it was it was I got over the hump of the mental barrier that was thirty minutes and was able to just go out there and try and race it. And uh, but it, it was still very rewarding seeing twenty nine minutes on the clock when I crossed the finish line.
0: No doubt. And you know, the crazy thing is you finished second there. Um, You mentioned you ran the Sunrun in 2935. You came fourth there. You know west is just uh you know especially in bc it's just known for these really really deep races and you know I, i've talked to other guys you know it, it's so hard to find races like that even even in ontario um you know what what's it like to you know sign up for a race like pretty much anywhere in bc or in that southern part of bc and you know know that you could get pulled along to a fast time or you could help someone else get a time potentially you know under 30 or under 15 or even under you know close to that 14 minute mark
1: it's something like you said it's not it's not available everywhere in canada and it's it's always a great opportunity because we sign up for these races and obviously everybody wants to win but not winning and running a personal best by 20 seconds is a pretty good consolation prize so having that opportunity like the stuff that bc athletics does and the race organizers for the sun run for the tc 10k i know they have a lot of good track races as well and the opportunities that they create are they're top notch in canada and they're greatly appreciated by athletes i know myself included
0: you know, so you mentioned, uh, you know, going into that barrier for, you know, the first and second time this year. What's What's been the difference in in the training? You know, what's uh, what's kind of put you on that next level now?
1: I think it's just been, and I know this is the, like, the cliche answer, but it is just, it's been consistency. I've been able to run good quality miles for the last three or four years now with no major injuries. I mean, I'm very lucky that I have a physiotherapist as a girlfriend who I can say, "Oh, you know, my hip's been bugging me. Can we can we look at this?" And she'll she'll look around and give me some exercises to do. And I guess I've probably matured a little bit in that now I actually do those exercises. When I was younger, and running, you go to your athletic therapist and they say, "Okay, well, this is what's wrong," and then you go, "Okay." I'm 19 years old. I'm going to feel better in a week anyway. I probably am not going to do those. But I'm not 19 anymore. So uh, having having consistent training, injury-free training, and also, like, I know I consider myself very lucky because I still have an incredible passion for the sport. So getting excited to go run twice a day is something that I don't know – I'm sure there's a lot of athletes out there but I count myself lucky that I am one of them that I can get up and I can run in the morning and then I can go I'm a student right now but we'll be working over the summer but I can go to class or work for eight hours and then I can run again or I can do a workout and I'm just as excited the second run as I was the first run and even two months into a season the fire is still there and the drive is still there
0: you know those uh those courses that you ran on they're known as as pretty fast courses uh in in the road racing world um i noticed you don't have any 10k marks on on the track though is is that something that you're looking to to change kind of in the near future
1: 10ks they have been going well for me i'll admit that um and the the 10,000 canadian championships in burnaby this year it was always on the radar but it was a bit it was a bit of a tinier blip than it uh than it is now after the last weekend 2955 on a on a a course that does have some rolling hills and there's a pretty long section into the wind but i know or i would like to see i guess what the the absolute maximum that i could run is and i know that I watched the 10,000 meter championship last year when they were in Guelph on the live stream, and I saw the races, and I know that they always have good competition, so the uh the Burnaby race is definitely more it's it piqued my interest a bit more after the last uh, the last month of 10K racing for sure.
0: Oh man, you, you know I I think you should do it just because they are building such a, a fantastic event there. You know it's it's not to say that that you haven't been doing you know track races in general. You know taking a look at your IAAF page, you've uh, you did an 800 meter race this past year, a couple 1500s <laughs> as well too. <laughs> What's up with that? I mean like people know you as you know a great cross country runner, uh, you know doing a, a little bit of mountain running, and and obviously these these 10ks have to have put you on the map. But the 800 and the 1500 what's up with those
1: well uh i guess i guess i said i'm a or i was a student i just graduated from a college in calgary but i ran uh in the CCAA for the school there and when uh when the coach says hey we maybe need a runner to enter the 1k at the provincial championships what are you thinking about that uh <laughs> And I say, well, okay, there's a pretty good chance I can get ten points from that event, just with like the depth of competition in Alberta. So I say, okay, but maybe I should run an eight hundred to see what the legs are feeling like uh, over that short a distance. And that was uh, that's how the eight hundred came about. And um, yeah, it's definitely a bit of a different feeling than the ten k. But the the fifteen hundred, I love I love that race. It's it's a combination of just Speed and strength. Like, you'll have 800 runners running it. You'll have 5K runners running it, and you don't know who's going to win. You can, you can train down for that event. You can train up for that event. So the 1500 is, that's like the ultimate race for me in, uh, in my mind. Obviously, it's not, <laughs> not where I excel the most, but uh, you, never, you never get better without pushing yourself. So, yeah, that's why the 800 and the 1500 are on the, the page there.
0: You know, one one fifty six. I, I don't. I don't think that that's so bad. You, you know, I was talking to uh, to Seth Markshu, no doubt uh, a guy that that you um, you knew growing up growing up in in London, Ontario, and you know, obviously he's he's big in the the ultra running c- scene now. You know, with. Some good, some good fifty milers under his belt. Um, he he was telling me that he wants to get um, a time under two minutes in the eight hundred uh, this summer. Just because it's something that that you know kind of still burns in him a little bit. So something that he uh, he really really wants to do is is there that little bit of like per, primitive sort of desire to to run fast as well too in, in you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and there's those barriers that I guess. People have in their minds two minutes in the 800, four minutes in the 15, or I guess depending on the level you're at, four minutes in the mile, the 15-minute mark, the 30-minute mark, those things. But sometimes it is just nice to go out there. I guess actually nice is not the way to describe it. Sometimes it's fun after the fact to go out there and just run as fast as you possibly can and to the point where you can't feel your arms or you can't feel your face, I guess. We do weird things in this sport, so that's not that far.
0: <laughs> you know something. Something that I really want to uh, to talk to you about is is going back to back in the CCAA uh, championships in in cross country this this past year. That's you know it's such a huge accomplishment. Uh, you know especially for people who follow that. I I feel like the CCAA does not get enough credit. What what do you have to say about that league and, and why should people be paying a little more attention to it?
1: I think the CCAA is a good league because they they support a lot of the athletes, um, and there there's yeah I guess like support is is what's so like unique about it in that like the teams there's less teams there's less schools than or at least I think than what you have in the in the youth sport championships now, but. You, you have good runners. Like there's runners there that will will go on and join university teams and will be top counters. But it it's a bit of a it's a bit of a developmental league, I guess, for a higher or for like the bigger the bigger leagues right now. But I also think that coming out of high school, university is not for everyone, and the CCAA it provides an opportunity for someone who maybe isn't uh, isn't interested in a university education or right now isn't just at that point. But it provides a, a level of competition that is highly competitive, but that that's uh, like a stepping stone for whichever direction you want to go. Like you you mentioned Seth Marcassio, he obviously excelled in. Uh, in the CCAA, and then has gone on to do pretty impressive things uh, in the marathon and the ultra marathon. And uh, another marathon name that you could mention that raced in the CCAA. I know, I know you know him, Trevor Hofbauer. Mm-hmm. He uh, he's a state, a former state alumni as well. And yeah, like it's it's just a good spot to build. I guess I already mentioned passion, but to build passion for the sport and then to see where you want to go
0: is that something that was always on the radar uh you know the thought that you could go back to back that you could win two individual titles um you know at the CCAA uh, cross-country championships
1: after the first after the first championship race it it became a thought but you never know in being in alberta coming from ontario even there's there's a level of uh, there's a level of hype that is always around these Ontario athletes that is sometimes overinflated, sometimes accurate, but you never can truly know. So, being in Alberta, having uh, having the the trackie, the tracky boards and just like sports publications out there, and you see they mention names of runners across the country, and they're like. This is the guy who's gonna who's gonna take the championship from Matthew Travellini, or no? This guy's gonna do it, or this guy, or can he do it? Can he go back to back? Like, there's always there's people talking, and you know, you're never sure if you're gonna be able to do it. But once cross country started this year, coming off of a pretty successful spring road racing season, um, and coming off of a good build into the season racing on similar courses with the same courses that I raced on last year. I was running faster than I had, than I had last year. The conditions were tougher. There's, there was a, a student athlete who started going or who joined the Concordia university team just outside of Edmonton. He ended up coming second at the championship, but he's an incredibly high caliber athlete, Leonard Chezu, and uh, racing against him. And then Matt Hope, from Edmonton who was at the Red Deer College he's a former U of A runner and the three of us together we were just pushing ourselves and pushing each other to be better than the other person so once we raced at our provincial championships and I saw what we did I just without knowing a specific order I, I told the guys I said this is going to be the one two three at canadian championships because everyone here is so fit Hmm.
0: you know you you mentioned uh you mentioned the the tracky boards and and we're talking about cross-country right now i think the question needs to be asked uh because it is brought up so often who who does the cross-country course better is it is it ontario or is it alberta
1: (laughs) that's tough they're different and i've raced both i mean i grew up in ontario i grew up in london raced high school, um, raced the off-the-courses, and then went to Windsor, raced OUA courses, and then moved to Alberta, and it's just different. When you race in Ontario, you're racing against very fast individuals, but you're racing on, um, on a golf course or on, in a park somewhere. Whereas when you're racing in Alberta, they, they just make it harder. Um, There, there's technical footing. I don't know if it's because of the mountains or what, but they just have taken this, uh, the cross country, the true cross country mentality. And they've said, we're going to make every course like that. People were talking about the world cross course this year and about how it was the hardest course that they'd ever raced on. And, Obviously, I wasn't there to see it, but looking at the course footage, I was like, oh, that looks a lot like this one race that we did this year or looking at, like, the the GPS data for it or the, the map information, like here's the elevation you gain, here's the footing. I was like, oh, that's very similar to this one race that we did, and just all the races are like that. So people look at Alberta and they say, oh, they ran 8K and they ran it in 25 minutes, but we ran 8K in 25 minutes over, like, an extremely hilly uh technical course so it's different if you want to run fast you race in ontario if you want to run hard tough you race in alberta
0: you know you uh you've had a lot of success when it comes to to mountain running especially uh domestically uh you know taking home some some medals there how is the how is the transition from from cross country to mountain running and and maybe back again from that as well too
1: it's, it's similar, but it's different because in mountain running, it, there, there's two types of courses that you'll get in a mountain racing season. They say it's an up down or just an up. So, in an up down, you'll do typically two loops of a course, and there will be anywhere from 600 I'd say, anywhere from 400 to 600 meter elevation gain per lap. And then, so you go up, and then you'll come back down, and you have to do that again. Or if it's just an up year, it'll be uh, the distance is between ten and thirteen kilometers, but you'll have to gain. I think it's at least eleven hundred meters. So there, there's the opportunity to run a lot of the time, but it is also um, you have to just pace yourself, and you have to know, okay, I can surge at this section, but then the grade goes above like 50% and you might have to turn it more into a power hike. Mm. But then I recently was talking with Stefan Daniels. He's a university of Calgary dino. And I never thought of myself as a strong hill runner, um, when in high school and even all the guys I used to train with in, with London Western, that was one thing they would make fun of me for. They'd be like, man, you can crush us on the, on like the one K intervals or the four hundreds or like, we'll be running together on these intervals and we get to the hills and they can absolutely drop me. So I think I was just, it was by far my weakest component. Hmm. So I worked so much harder at becoming a strong hill runner and then having the climbing strength obviously helped in mountain running. And then having developed the strength for mountain running transition to then come back and be able to attack a hill that you can see the end of is a huge mental advantage and then there's the physical component as well which has helped me a lot I think
0: you know I, I have to look at this and, and think that you are such a diverse runner in that you know you're not afraid to to do some mountain running uh, you know some cross country some road racing uh, and maybe even jump onto the track for for an 800 um, I mean, what? how do you, how do you think that's affect, affected your running? Because, you know, you look at, at the sport and there's, you know, maybe some 800-meter specialists and maybe they'll diversify by jumping into a 400 or a 1500, but, you know, the scope is still pretty narrow. What, uh, what advantages do you think that you get by, you know, almost saying no to nothing?
1: I think that a lot of people... And a lot of people know this, but there there's a huge mental component to racing. And as much as you have to be physically fit and physically tough, you have to be mentally tough. And I think by not saying no, you're just never you're never limiting yourself. So you're never going to get to a point in any race and say, "Ah, this I can't do." When when you haven't said no, you don't say no to go run up a mountain you're never going to get to a hill in a cross country race and be like, this is what's going to break me. If you don't say no to running an 800, you're never going to be in a sprint finish with someone in a 10 K and be like, I can't run this speed. So it's not so much that I do it on purpose and that I try to do all these things so that, um, so that I have this like repertoire of scenarios just ready to go. But I think that it's just, come to that point where I can now I can say that I can just say you know what I've run a bigger hill and I've come out alive at the other end or you know what I've I've run a faster last 600 or a last faster last 400 and I still walked away from it so um this will not be what breaks me uh and then also I know I said this before but I like the sport and when you live when you move, when you, I suggest you come to Alberta. If you ever come out here, you're not going to be able to say no to going for a trail run. And then anyone who's competitive whatsoever is then going to say, "Oh, well, you know what? I can do that faster." Or, "Oh, you know what? I can I can cut a minute off that time." So, that's uh, that's how the mountain running came into it. The track came into it because that's just where I grew up. I grew up doing track because I didn't make the high school soccer team, and then grew the love grew from there and off to university and from there but yeah i think just having having every scenario knowing that you've done something harder or something worse and that's why we train in when it's snowing and that's why we train when it's windy and when it's rainy but yeah having an 800 and a mountain race in the last season it just makes you ready for anything
0: you know Angus Rawling, uh, Rory Linkletter, Jess Connell, Trevor Hoffpower. Those are names that will all be fairly familiar to uh, to the listeners, and uh, no doubt very familiar to yourself. Uh, there seems to be something going on in, in Calgary. Some something really kind of cool. What What's it like running out there? You know, like what's what's that scene like? And do you cross paths with those guys quite a bit.
1: Yeah, quite a bit. Uh, I mean Angus he's been away at school for the summer or for the, for the school year, but he, uh, we, we went out for lots of runs in, last summer and Trevor and I, uh, we've run together quite a few times in his build up for Hamburg. And I biked with him one of his final tempos and, uh, gave him bottles every 15 minutes. I think it was, I can't remember, but I nailed it for sure. <laughs> um, and then Jess O'Connell, she's really good friends with my girlfriend. So we uh, will have potluck dinners and they'll do clothing exchanges or whatever it is. Uh, but I think that, I think the community here is just, it's just that. It is a community. There, There's a few people chasing this lofty goal and you can identify them and you can see like, oh, you know what, like, that person's pretty crazy too. We're probably going to get along, and then it turns out you do get along. And um, and when when you're in a big city like Calgary, couple million people, and there's there's like a handful of people that that you know have the same uh, the same drive or the similar goals. You just are drawn to those people. But I also think that. There, there's some, the, the old guard in Calgary, Jeremy Deer, an incredible runner. Um, there's Keith Bradford. I, they probably aren't going to listen to this because I don't know if they know how to use a computer. But <laughs> they're, uh, they're, they're, they've created a group of runners, the the Bow Valley Harriers. And every Sunday these guys will meet and they'll go for anywhere from a 20 to a 30K run, depending on what race they're training for at the time. And this is a group of 40-plus runners who, when uh, Russell Pennock described his first run to his dad, he said, this is a group of old guys just trying to kill the other old guy <laughs> with a four-minute kilometer in the middle. And, and it, it's what it is. It's just that they have created this fun culture, this fun community, and I guess no one wants to be the one to take the fun away, so we're just keeping it going.
0: Oh man, that that's super that's super cool to hear. Uh, and and the whole scene sounds uh, sounds really really cool. You know, as, as you mentioned before, you're you're done at uh at at State. Um and I'm kind of wondering, you know, what's next? I mean, you you kind of mentioned uh, you know, running on, on in uh, you know, track 10,000. Um, you know, what what can we expect to to see from you, you know, going forward?
1: So, for the summer season, Probably a couple more track races for sure, uh, or I guess not more. I'm going to get onto the track, um, trying to get down to Portland to run uh, some 5,000s there because I, yeah, I want to I really test myself at the 5K distance. The 10K is, like I said, on the radar, and then uh, we're going to try and just try and see where the season goes from there. Uh, hopefully, head out to nationals for for track again this year, and um, it's going to be most likely the five k if I go to if I go to nationals. But then in in September, I found out a couple weeks ago I got accepted into the engineering program at the University of Calgary. So I'm going to be going to U of C in september and then i have one year of eligibility left so i'll be racing for the dinos in september um and then that'll be that'll be the fall cross-country season and indoor season and then who knows where what's what's happening
0: after that oh man well that uh that sounds like like quite a bit for us to watch and man it's it's been really cool to uh to you know track your results over the past couple of years and, and they've just you know been getting better and better and it's been a lot of fun to watch and uh you know thanks a lot for being on the show this week man really appreciate it
1: thanks for having me
0: when we caught up with Julia Hallway, she was in Portland just hours away from a steeple race I think by by the time I record the intro and extra for the episode we should have some results from what's gonna happen (laughs) in in a couple of hours so um maybe we'll already know if Anyways, what is happening in a couple of hours? Where are you right now? Um, fill the people in.
2: So right now I'm sitting in a hotel room in Portland, Oregon, uh, just gearing up to run the 3,000 meters steeplechase chase at the Portland Twilight here tonight.
0: That's really exciting. Who, who, who all is in the field? Any names that, uh, that we'd recognize?
2: Yeah, there's uh, another fellow Canadian who will be great competition for me tonight, Jesse Lacourse from Laval. Um, she's also run 10:03 silver this season, so that will be interesting to see how that goes.
0: Yeah, definitely. And we were talking a little bit beforehand. Uh, you, of course, ran a 10:03 earlier this year at the at the Stanford Invite, uh, end of March, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, end of yep. end of end of March. Um, I mean, like, how did that go? You basically sold the thing from from beginning to end. How are you feeling, you know, at the end? Did you feel like you had, you know, a couple more seconds in you?
2: Um, Yeah, I definitely felt really confident and strong after that race. Um, I knew going in that once the heats came out that I was going to have to pretty much do it on my own. Um, But it was the opener for the season. So in a way, I was like, okay with that because it meant that I could just focus on myself, focus on getting through the barriers without getting tangled up at other people's feet. Um, But yeah, obviously it's a little more challenging to run a really fast time when you're not chasing someone down and you're just trying to push yourself. So I am sure, I guess that's how track goes, that I can run faster when I'm actually racing people rather than just on my own.
0: Well yeah, I mean that's one of the cool things about steeplechase and, and probably one of the more frustrating things about steeplechase is yeah, you have that advantage when when you're chasing people down but I would have to think that more bodies in front of you would actually make you know tackling those steeples and the water pits a lot more challenging would would it not?
2: It's definitely a race where you're not going to see a sit and kick happen very often. Mm-hmm. Um, people don't want to get tangled up in those steeples you kind of just want to run and get away from everyone so, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to have too many people around but it'll definitely help to have someone else there for sure
0: so would you say that that kind of racing style that is typical of, of the steeplechase like you said there's not really a whole lot of uh sit and kick would you say that is to your advantage or do you actually prefer you know some of your more i guess uh what is in vogue for say the 1500 these days
2: I'm definitely a strength runner, so no, I like to get things going from the beginning. I was, I think cross country was probably my strongest event, so I'm I'm a bit of a grinder. My running's not beautiful. Um, I'm not the fastest person, but I'm I'm strong, so I can go for like at a hard pace for a while. Um, so I think the steeple works really well for that. Um, and yeah, I, so I started doing it last year, and I've really enjoyed moving up from the 1500 to the the longer, more grindy events, I guess.
0: Well, you, you ran that 10.01 last year, which is, you know, in itself a pretty fantastic mark, but I think there's, there's a little bit of a story to go behind that. You you know, when we were talking before, you, you said that, uh, you know, you did some things just to, just to try out the event. How did that come about? And like, what was the decision making uh, process to, you know, try the steeple?
2: Um, so I came into university uh, pretty unexperienced experience with track. I was Pretty new to the sport. I'd done some 1500s, some 800s. Um, kind of thought the 1500 would be more in my wheelhouse. Um, but as I got in a uh, part of the team and started to run more, um, I had some success with cross country, and so I started to realize I was probably a little more geared for the longer races. I was cross country, and the collegiate system is 6K. Um, as well, I had a pretty like diverse multi-sport background. So I was a figure skater. I played soccer. So obviously, I was used to like being throwing around and being agile and hmm. not getting injured by jumping and such, uh, so I thought this people chase might be a good fit. Um, and yeah, so I figured out how to hurdle. I can do it with both legs, which is an advantage. Um, and so last year when I was red um my outdoor season, I gave it a try um, and I ran ten oh five in my first race, blew my expectations out of the water. And then I ran a couple more last season. They all went really well. Um, And so I was just super excited to get back in the NCAA and make a splash, if you will, in my last season. (laughs)
0: Oh, you know, that's that's one thing that that I've always kind of wondered about, because as an observer of the of the, uh, of the steeplechase, I almost feel like the steeplechase uh, fail videos, so to speak, are, are kind of getting old, to be honest with you. You know, there's only so many times that you can watch someone, you know, go headfirst into the water pit as a steeplechaser. You know, what what are your thoughts on those little clips?
2: Um. Relatable. Uh, <laughs> I did fall last year, actually in my PB race, which means that I can run faster, right? Because I fell. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, definitely like it happens, and I think it's every steeplechaser who's done the race a few times, I'm sure, has a sales story. Um, the videos still make me laugh because like I, it's like relatable for me. But I mean, yeah, like the other events don't get um so much like internet laughs, I guess. So you know, cut us some slack. We're trying. <laughs>
0: Mm. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so if I'm not mistaken, you are ranked, uh, number one in the NCAA for, for, sorry, division two, uh, for the steeple right now. Is it, is that something that you kind of pay attention to? You know, is that something that, that you grab pride from? I mean, we were having this conversation at, at work today, you know, The Washington Capitals have won the President's Trophy a whole bunch of times, but, you know, like, if you can't win that Stanley Cup, which I suppose they did a couple years ago, it doesn't really mean a whole lot. So, I mean, like, what are your thoughts on this?
2: Yeah, so, um, unfortunately, my number one ranking got dethroned last night. I guess the the updated list hasn't come out yet, but there is a couple girls who ran pretty quick at Peyton Jordan last night, so now I have to try to respond today, right? Hmm. My goodness. Um, but no, like, I mean, everyone knows the rankings because, you know, they're out there and Full Track loves to post stuff about them and whatever. But, um, I mean, it is what it is. Like you still have to show up at NCAAs and you still have to like run your race just because you're ranked number one doesn't automatically mean you're going to win. you still have to, you know, be number one when the time, when the time comes to, uh, win that national title. So of course I'll be gunning for that in, uh, at nationals in a few weeks but nothing is set in
0: stone until you finish that race. oh definitely definitely you know i I was kind of wondering um so the ncaa uh division two championships for indoors weren't that long ago you turned you turned it around pretty quick you were at that stanford invite uh end of march so like not really a whole lot of time for a break there whoa you know, what What was with that turnaround? I mean, like, did you take a week off or, you know, did you just pretty much run and train through it?
2: I actually um, used up all my indoor eligibility last year. So I didn't have that stress this year, which was pretty nice. I've been uh, just training since uh, outdoor season last year. I ran a few indoor races, but just on my own. Um, so I wasn't at nationals. Oh, well, that, that's...
0: That seems kind of nice. Yeah, did you t- did you yeah. take the season to um, you know to uh, speed up or you know and, and like hit those shorter races? I, I think that's that's kind of the common thing to do. No.
2: Yeah, I, uh, all of my indoor races were like I ran a five k indoors and I ran two three thousand meters. Um, so it was my first five k ever. So you know I stretched it a little bit, kept the uh, mileage a little higher, I guess, and then had a big training block in uh, late February, early March. And then uh, just kind of went into the steeple there at Stanford. That was my opener. Um, but, yeah, I felt like I was ready to race because I'd had a big block of training, which doesn't always happen when you're competing in all the NCAA seasons. So it was a little fatigued, but um, I felt really good once I tapered and uh, raced at Stanford. And, um, yeah, we've been racing on and off now ever since. Um, not too much. I've definitely been racing a little less frequently than some of my teammates who run the shorter races. But, um, yeah, it's, it's been good to mix it up from the big training block.
0: So you are from Newfoundland. You are living out in British Columbia now. You know, it's such a such a big, big country. Do you still feel like it's, you know, the Canada that you knew growing up in, in Newfoundland?
2: I think that what I always think of when I think of, like, my experience with Canada is I think back to the Vancouver Olympics and um, watching that from home in Newfoundland. So I was 13 at the time. And while the Olympics were in my home country, and I was super excited to cheer for all my Canadian athletes um, who were competing at home, I felt so removed from it because it was so far away. Um, I was a figure skater at the time, and so I really wanted to watch Joanie Rochette, but she was competing at like 2 a.m. for me, so my parents would have to wake me up in the middle of the night to go watch. Like, that was my own country. Mm -hmm. And it, um, it really amazes me now that, like, that place that seemed so far away at the time, is now my home like i've been here for five years and i have so many good friends here and i've finished a degree here um and so that really brings it into perspective for me but yeah i feel like i have a good um comprehensive understanding of what it what it is to be uh someone living in canada and competing in canada talk
0: to me a little bit about that uh that newfoundland running scene because you know they have a whole bunch of you know, just big landmark and, and institutions of, of things out there, in, including the, the Telly 10, which we were talking about before. Um, you know, I, I think Colin Fewer is pretty much an institution upon himself now as well, too. But, you know, like there's just a whole bunch of running things that, that we associate with Newfoundland. What what's it, What was it like growing up there and, and getting into the sport?
2: Growing up in Newfoundland, my first introduction to running was definitely through elementary school cross-country races that um, I'm sure everyone in not just Newfoundland but Canada does when 500 little eight-year-olds running across the field and then you know probably walking for a little bit because <laughs> their lungs can't handle it um, and I did really well with those little races, even though I wasn't training or anything I mean there's eight um, and <laughs> then eventually as I i uh, kept going in my other sports i realized that i was probably doing good in soccer because i was faster than everyone not necessarily because my soccer skills were that good hmm. um and so then i decided to transition more to track once i hit high school but i came to the sport a little later um and so i joined pearl Gate Track track field club which was a great um introduction to track for me um that being said it is the only real track facility in newfoundland so we um we do have a great track community and they're very um encouraging of the sport, um, like, lasting and progressing in the province. But it's a challenge because we do not have a lot of facilities, um, and it's not a huge, hugely popular sport there. Um, so we did, we've done a lot of, um, fundraising for the club and trying to, um, promote it to other athletes in other sports and trying to recruit, um, the Canada Games is a great resource. A lot of athletes will come for a Canada Games cycle because they want to try and represent the province there. Um, But there definitely are some struggles being from a smaller province with a little few resources. Um, And, uh, yeah, it's just being in BC as well has really provided some perspective in how different uh, the sport can be when you're from a different region that has more resources um, available. Um, But it allows me as well to um, kind of see what works and then to uh, bring it back to my home club whenever I go back and share it with them
0: you know it it strikes me that that you go from from that side of the the country to this you know to this this area that is so rich and and full of you know great distance runners and you know even even at SFU you know you can't help but think of Canadian record holder uh, Natasha Wodak. I saw that you ran the the St. Patrick's Day 5k this year how did that go for you and you know that must have been an odd experience for you running a road race uh, just where there was so many people there competing kind of at your level and and, you know being able to look around and, and you know see a whole bunch of people there.
2: St. Patrick's 5K was a really fun experience. Um, It was very last minute, decided to do with a bunch of my uh, guy teammates. Um, We had a lot of fun doing it. It was definitely not like a race we tapered for or anything. Um, So I wouldn't say it was my best race of the season, but it was definitely really amazing to see that there, I think there were like 75 people who broke 17 minutes in that race, which is crazy, and that would be like unheard of on the East Coast. So it was really awesome to see all of the um, running community come together and just run some amazing times and see that there are that many people that are really passionate about the sport and kind of doing the same thing that I'm doing, teaching the same goals. Um, and I think it's really, really important. valuable to be in a place where there are other people who are, um, kind of chasing the dream with you. It just, um, allows you to like, validated validate what you're doing and, um, I don't know, it's just, it's cool to be a part of the community that's has the same ambitions as you.
0: All right. So you mentioned you, you have your degree now, Um, you know, I guess this, this leaves us wondering what, uh, where do you see yourself with the sport, you know, as of, as of next year and going forward?
2: Track was never something that I really thought I would want to continue or be in a position to continue after university. Um, but I've seen a lot of growth in myself throughout my career and I really think I'm only starting to tap the surface of what I can accomplish in this sport right now. I mean, I only started the people chase last year, so I definitely think I have a lot of to grow there. I ran my first 5K this year, so I'm sure I can uh, run faster in the future as well. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely wanting to continue with track past uh, these next few weeks when the NCAA season finishes. Um, as to where how I'm going to do, I'm very much to be determined. I mean, there's a lot of things to figure out post-grads. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm super happy with how things are going with training and with um, just racing in general right now, so I wouldn't anticipate anything this in this made, but I just keep going after it. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see where I can take myself with the sport.
0: All right, so let's let's take a look at this. Uh, we'll break it down, you know, next six weeks uh, and then follow that with the next six months. What are the big goals there?
2: So, um, obviously, I'm racing today, so that's the, the first goal <laughs> is to run a good race today, I guess. It's um, pretty immediate. And then we have our GNAC conference championships in Monmouth, Oregon next week. Um, So I would love to end with a conference championship title. I mean, that's always uh, something that every collegiate feels, I think. You know, you always have a little bit of conference pride, so that would be really cool. Um, And then two weeks after that is NCAA Division II championships in Kingsville, Texas. So I'll get to go to Texas for the first time. That's exciting. <laughs> um, and then I believe I'm racing the 2,000-meter Superchase and the 5K. Um, I think so. So we'll see how that goes. Um, it's going to be potentially like 11K on the track. <laughs> so as long as I'm still, I mean, yeah, that's the plan. So, um, I mean, I would love to finish as high as I can at Nationals Is my final uh, competition, Um, as long as I race strong and then happy with how I finish, um, then I'll be satisfied with my collegiate career. I mean, you can control what you do, but you can't always control whatever else around you does. So we'll have to see how that pans out. And then after that, I'll probably run the Portland, uh, track fest in June and, uh, hopefully be still kicking for Canadian nationals later in July. I know it's really late this year. Um, but I'm hoping to stay happy and healthy, um, get there and then gear up for another cross country season
0: all right well that uh that sounds very exciting it sounds like uh, an exciting couple of hours weeks months <laughs> you know like basically basically you've got it all going on this uh, you go. yeah and uh you know wish you all the best and hopefully we can report some very good news when i go to to finish up this episode later tonight um you know really hoping for the best for you and you know thanks so much for being on the show this week
2: absolutely thank you so much for having me
0: As promised, a quick update from the Portland Twilight where Julie Howley was racing a 3,000 meter steeple. She ended up winning the race with a 10.05, putting nearly 17 seconds between her and second place. Well, that wraps up another edition of the Terminal Mile. Big thanks to the guests this week, Julie and Matt, as well as the trackie for their ongoing support. Heads up that if you like this program, we're also doing a weekly news show as well, available wherever you found this, whether that be tracky.ca, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or Spotify. While you're there, be sure to subscribe and leave a comment. We enjoy hearing from you. And of course, speaking of hearing from you, we are also on social media as well too, at The Terminal Mile on both Instagram and Twitter. And we now have a Facebook page as well, so be sure to toss us a like on there. Big thanks to you for listening. This has been The Terminal Mile a Tracky Radio production.